How you doing? I'm Michael Bell, the voice of Duke. Hi, this is Adrienne Palicki, Lady J from G.I. Joe. Hey there, it's Rachel Nichols, a.k.a. Scarlet. And if you're listening... And you're listening to... And you are listening to Anything Joe's, a collaborative journey through the world of G.I. Joe with Greg and Jaren. Yo, Joe! And welcome back to Anything Joe's, a collaborative journey through the world of G.I. Joe. My name is Greg Engel. And I'm Jaron Decker. And we'll be your host today. Today on Anything Joe's, it's a new comic book day! So I thought, what better, what better time than to take a look at Skybound's uh, relaunch of the G.I. Joe book uh, with issues 301 and 302. We didn't really get a chance to talk about 301 because um, it just kind of came out in a weird time in our schedule. It was one of those things where I was like, we'll get to it. And then we put it off a little too long. But now that 302 is here, I think it's a perfect time. And I got a lot to talk about, too, because I haven't really had a chance to like dive into it with anybody. So let's do that. Let's get started right away. Let's open up <laughs> 301 and see what it looks like. As we're starting, it is very difficult because we don't want to talk too much about it because we want to save it for this kind of content. But then, like, for me, when I, like, read this and I'm like, Greg. <laughs> so I have thoughts and I have feelings, so I'm excited to finally get to really discuss this with so, you. So, uh, yeah, I am as well. I got, there's a, I got a lot. I got a lot on my mind when it comes to these books. Um, the, cover, <laughs> the regular cover to 301, you know, there was a, a lot of covers to 301. And as I understand it, the general, the reason for that is you had to place an order for, if a retailer placed an order for like, I think it's 500 books, that seems to be the quantity, then you could sell a retailer exclusive. I don't know how that works with, I, you do your, bring your own art or something to be approved. I don't know about that, but. That's why there were so many exclusives across the board, because mm -hmm. this was a heavily ordered book. It's a relaunch. You know, it's kind of a number one, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if you double, bump that up to 1,000, you could do a foil variant, which we will see a few of here in just a second. Um, but the standard cover is done by uh, Andy Kubert, who has done a lot of work for Marvel, many other companies. is pretty well known, especially in the like late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, provided this cover and it is it's got a lot going on it's a little bit of a nod to G the original gi joe number one it's a big vehicle moving forward and lots of people doing stuff around it we see in the front duke roadblock and scarlet you know kind of just charging in firing their guns roadblock is like really clear his image is much clearer than everybody else i don't know if that's supposed to be some kind of visual effect um they're using the Wolverine, uh, which leads me to believe that that is CoverGirl that's driving, even though she looks a little different than I normally picture her. We see Storm Shadow and <laughs> maybe Snake Eyes, maybe Throwdown. You don't really... I, how would I know, basically? Um, then we see Dawn. I think this gentleman on the side is Molto, which is a Joe that we is one of the newer Joes from IDW. We don't really see a whole lot. I can't really... I, I can't tie him down to anybody else. Up above this, we have Stalker on the Ram Cycle, looking real cool. And on the other side, we have Jaren's favorite vehicle, the Vamp, with a tan grunt, or a tan uh, clutch driving, and Sherlock uh, shooting at some birds or something. She's, her name is way up there. She looks like she's trying to shoot that little Skybound logo. 
Uh, pretty busy cover. Great pencils. I mean, Kubert is a is very very talented, and this is he doesn't work on GI Joe stuff very often, so I'm excited to see it. The details on stuff like I think the Wolverine looks great, for example. Um, Jaron, we're not going to dive into every cover because there's so many of them. But do you? Uh, this is the main cover. Do you have any thoughts on it? I mean, I think it looks really cool. I think it's. I think there's also that bit of the homage to issue one with having that big big vehicle whole team kind of pushing forward you know they did that and then they had the the reprint of one and then they had the uh secondary cover for one with the you know the cobra side so i kind of think it all kind of fit together um it is it is very busy and i don't know i mean (laughs) i couldn't tell you who three of the characters were (laughs) off the rip uh, of the of the people in the foreground not counting the the couple people in the background um, but I mean, the art on everything I've seen on this so far has been phenomenal. Yeah. Let's take a look at all of the other variant covers in one fell swoop so we can, uh, just kind of get them out of the way. Starting in the upper left-hand corner, we have our regular cover, which we just talked about with Andy Kubert. They are, there's a variant cover to that, which is just his line work, which looks very good. Uh, there's our first actual variant is the Brad Walker uh, one in ten, which is the Snake Eyes and Serpentor, which I think is a very, very good cover, one of the best of the lot. Um, there's a the standard blank variant. We and then we kind of start diving in. Everything else is just about a retailer exclusive from here on out. This uh, Snake Eyes and Timber cover is done by Ethan Young, and there's a regular cover and a version variant for that. Uh, this Baroness cover is a Mike Mayhew variant, which also has a Virgin uh, variant. There's a Max Dunbar, which is the Scarlet in the Cobra Throne cover, and that's just the one. Ink, that's just that single book by itself. We have Destro and the Iron Grenadiers, which is done by Pat Ho Pat O'Leaf. I hope that's right. If not, sorry. Uh, and that has a virgin variant. That's a holographic variant, actually. I don't know what the, I don't know how you, what you have to do to get that. But there are two, at least two <laughs> foil variants, and this is one of them. Uh, that's the Clayton Crane variant in the lower left-hand corner, which is nice. But I don't like Clayton Crane. Uh, the that sounds personal. It is personal. I do not like Clayton Crane. I had a bad experience with him. Uh, Rick Leonardi variant, which is where Wild Bill's in the like little tiny locust-looking chopper, and it's got like a hundred people hanging off of it. <laughs> Not sh- those guys would be ripped apart, or the even the other chopper would chop them up. That's actually why I didn't buy it because I was like, this is extremely unrealistic. Good cover, otherwise. Uh, I love a, that cover. <laughs> Ethan, uh, Ethan Young Scarlet variant, and that also has a holographic foil. There's the minimalistic storm shadow profile shot, which is done by Scott uh, Scott Godlewski. And the one that's missing here, because it had not been released at the time that uh, the gentleman that was putting this together, is the classified Baroness with Cycle, which is done by Anon Ramcharan. And that says limited to 301, but I doubt that. I think they had to order 500. I had read online from uh, somebody that was in the biz that anytime it says something like limited to 300, that's a lie. It means they... Kept 200 copies back, probably the best-looking copies to send them off for CGC certification or something like that. So don't be fooled into thinking that it's an exceptionally <laughs> low print run. They're just, almost, they're just not making the full run available, which is wild. Um, 
Oh, did I mention that CoverGirl cover? I should, because it's the one cover that I bought that isn't here yet, still, on the day of 302. Yes, uh, the CoverGirl variant is done by French Caramagno, and there's also a second printing cover, which isn't represented here, because I haven't seen it yet. Um, of these covers, I did buy the uh, two regular covers. Jaren, you found the one in 10, right, for me? Yes, I've okay. got it. Um, I that's pretty, the which one's that one? I don't remember. One of the it has snake eyes on oh. it. One of the, one of the two yeah, snake eyes Serpentorcon in the back. Yeah, so I got that pretty one cool. next to Jaren. I'm pretty sure I got the blank variant. I did order and pay for the cover girl. I have no idea where it's at. It seems I don't think I'm the only one. There seems to be a lot of people that have not got that copy in yet, which is pretty frustrating. And so it looks like the uh, second print. Sorry, I don't I don't don't interrupt you. My bad. Uh, it has Scarlet. Covergirl and Dawn. Yes. And there's, it, they're like. Does it have a release? In the. Um, says today. Okay. So the second printing also released today. I'll have to try to track that down because that actually, of all the covers, it's one of the better ones. Um, so I got the four main. I got the three basic covers and the one in ten. I ordered the Covergirl and it's not here. I also picked up the Storm Shadow Minimalist cover, uh, and I bought the Baroness on the Classified Cycle cover because I'd never seen a Classified version done in the comics before, and I picked up this Scarlet and the Scarlet uh, Holographic Foil because I thought it was a great cover. The other covers are, are good. Uh, some of them are great, but there was just... I could not get them all. There's no way. I shouldn't have even financially committed to this much, but some of them were coming out at a time where I had a little more money than I knew what to do with, which is always dangerous for me. So, uh, so I mean, you, dude, these books were like, I mean, you might get the set of the regular and the holographic, and it, it'd be like 30 bucks. Then you got to pay for shipping. It was, it was just too much. Or you'd be paying $15, $20 for just one of these single books. I can't be doing that. There's just, that's just too much. I got I to gotta be chill. So I bought some of them. I bought the ones that I thought looked really good. And the holographic foil, foil was very appealing to me, especially because they did one with a cover that I actually liked. So I picked that up as well. 302, this is it. I'm out. No more variants. Unless they show up <laughs> at my doorstep or are available in my local comic book store. I'm not I'm not going to keep doing this. I've already got, there's already a bunch of Duke Cobra Commander variants that are coming out that look rad. So I can't be, I got to I gotta keep it restrained. I'll go back and get them later if I really, really need them. Um, so, okay, that's the cover. Now it's time to get into this bad boy. The creative team on this book is basically completely changed with the exception of Larry Hama. The new artist, the new interior artist's name is Chris Mooneyham. Uh, the colorist is Francesco Sagala, and the letterer is Pat Brosseau. Um, and then there's a huge list of all the people that worked on the covers. Um, yeah, so first page of the book is basically like a recap. I have an issue with this, the way this book got laid out. When we read 300... It ended on a pretty big cliffhanger. We were in the middle of a story, and it just kind of was like, Oop, we'll see you later. We'll fix it, fix it then. <laughs> and maybe they didn't realize it at the time. I don't know if Larry just like didn't have enough time to wrap it up, didn't think it was important enough to finish it there, but the reality is is that 301 is breaking record numbers in terms of comic book sales for G.I. Joe. I know that that is a bit of a buzz that will die down you know, more and more. People buy number ones because they're number ones. It's just a fact. Or there's, if there's a hype train, people jump on it because they think it'll make the book worth more down the run. So the reality is this is one of the most, the, one of the highest selling G.I. Joe books we've seen in a decade. 
and it's not very accessible to new readers. Uh, even as we go through this recap stuff, there's a lot has changed. If you, for example, didn't read any of the IDW run, there's you'd be lost, quite frankly. And uh, that's a real bummer to me. I don't feel like if you if a casual fan picked this book up and read it, they'd be like, I need to know more. They'd instead, it'd be like me picking up an X-Men book, having not read it in 15 years. I'd be like, who are these mutants? Where are they? What's going on? Why does Professor X have a huge helmet on? Like, it's the same gist. You, It's just a little too much to get it, to get you, to, to wrap your head around it. People that have been reading it nonstop still are like, who is this guy? What's going on? And what you'll see as I try to recap it here in a minute. <laughs> so the recap that they've given is very brief. Faced with the rise of global terrorism, the Pentagon created an ultra hush hush combined services task force, codenamed GI Joe. We see the Joes, you know, kind of doing their GI Joe number one cover, basically uh, firing in the air to make it they make themselves look cool. Um, we see Hawk and Duke, and they're kind of given a layout of the structure, and we see the you know the pit as, as drawn from another person's perspective everybody's got a different take on the pit which i'm always a fan of i see the whale down there and a bunch of other cool vehicles actually pretty good detail considering how small that stuff is on the next page we kind of see the recap of cobra the gi joe team's primary adversary is cobra command an international terrorist organization that began as a pyramid scheme that's a pretty good little blurb that i mean at maybe maybe asks more questions than it answers <laughs> it's interesting that they call themselves Cobra Command. I've always just called they're just called Cobra, as far as I know. Uh, their goal, upset the world order and create markets for their weapons. And then we see, you know, we see Cobra Commander, the head of the snake. He is ruthless, devious, and convinced he is right. Second, second in command is Dr. Mindbender. This takes me back a little bit, because I don't think I would have ever said that Dr. Mindbender is the second in command of Cobra. He's always been a lackey, and I know especially in the last uh, several years, he's always been Cobra Commander's punching bag. Like, he seems to be the only truly loyal Cobra guy left, so maybe that's earned him some rank. But I would be like, is there anybody else out here that wants to be second in command? <laughs> you, Cesspool, we haven't seen you in a while. Come step up and be my new... Like, are the days of Destro and Baroness and Cobra Commander, like, getting along at a with a real tight fit, I think, are behind us. Even here, they've got him isolated. You know, he's the hereditary CEO of Mars and Armaments Forum once aligned with Cobra, but now at odds with them. Um, yeah, so that sums it up pretty well. They don't, this, they can't really unring that bell. There's this, they've just fought too much. Serpentor Khan was created by Dr. Mindbender from the DNA of Genghis Khan to be a tactical leader of Cobra's military forces, but he turned out to have a mind of his own. Wow, that's never happened before. We've never, we've never boned ourselves <laughs> with our advanced technology. As insidious as our enemies are, the G.I. Joe team is always on the front line of the battle to keep us secure. So that's your two-page recap. I guess if you've never read a G.I. Joe issue, this might get you started, but I cannot imagine not having some background information at this point. So, Jared, before we get started, this might be the most challenging thing of all, but we have got to try to recap what was going on up to 300. We did an entire episode dedicated to the final book of this, and we covered it quite extensively, and I am still struggling to be able to recap exactly what's going on <laughs> leading up to this point. But I'm going to give it a shot, and I am looking to you to fill in the details that I get wrong or miss completely. Cobra Island has opened up a new casino, and mm -hmm. it's being run by very, very advanced Cobra Bats, which are using technology 
from an organization called Revanche, which I often refer to as Blue Cyborg Ninjas, because they are AI that has gained that has gained autonomy, and they I don't know what their plan is. They just are very disruptive. They're trying to take control or gain power or something, but they're very annoying robots that do very annoying things. And all these they look like regular like blackjack dealers, but they are very 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 advanced robots. Sometimes in the book it, they're impossible to defeat. It seems like, and then other times in the book you just gotta get lucky and they'll <laughs> fall apart i mean it really does I, I can think of instances where they were like trying to hit them with like tactical nukes and then i've seen like dawn and bomb strike take one down by themselves or something like it's it's wild anyway i don't remember why the casino is existing maybe it simply is just to make money which i it would not rule out as a plot of cobra to just it's just a good way to get income. <laughs> Simultaneous, so I think that's why the Joes are dispatched. Is they're on an a, like a investigation mission. They want to figure out why it's there, what there's going on behind the scenes, something along those lines. I can't think of any other reason why they would be there. Simultaneously, at this time, it is revealed that underneath this place, there's a lot of like Doctor Mindbender shenanigans going on. He's been working on a bunch of mad science. One of those things is they are looking to bring back Serpentor, but this time with the legitimate DNA of Genghis Khan. Instead of drawing on the DNA of multiple personalities, they were focusing in specifically on the true, the one true Genghis Khan DNA. And it works, and it even gives Serpentor a sweet beard and long hair. The one, oh, the one only true distinguishing characteristic from regular Sipador is that now he's got sweet facial hair. The Genghis Khan persona is supposed to be dominant in this Sipador, but again, it doesn't really feel that much differently than just regular Sipador. He, a big surprise, can't be controlled because he's a, he's based off the DNA of a military leader. He starts to kind of take control on his, of his own, you know, the forces himself. Uh, which happens to be convenient because another evil science project that's going on in this basement is that they have cloned the original Snake Eyes. The original Snake Eyes passed away m many, many years ago, ironically, in a fight with Serpentor, where he dived on a grenade to save the to save Scarlet from getting blown up by it. And in the process, the two of them like dived over an uh, edge and uh, presumably blew up real good. But I guess there was something left of him because they dragged some DNA back with the plot that we've seen before to clone a Snake Eyes and make an army of the best ninja ever to run in Cobra. Well, guess what? That doesn't work because it never does. Snake Eyes isn't out of the vat for longer than like 60 seconds. And all he has to see is a picture of Scarlet. And he's like, oh, hey, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a cool bro and I got a cool chick. <laughs> and he's immediately out of it. Like the weekend, the brainwave scanner would be, uh, does not bother me. I know it gets used excessively and people are turned off by it. The thing that bothers me is it never works the way it's supposed to. It's only just a little piece of fiction designed to uh, adhere two concepts together. And I hate that. I hate how weak it is that it's just immediately overcome. Anyway, he's completely fine and joins the Joes. And we are left with the presumption that because this is a clone of Snake Eyes, he would not have the physical ailments that the Snake Eyes we know has. His vocal cords should probably be fine. His face should probably be okay. And But we are not left with any confirming info on that behalf to determine 
discern what's actually going on. Lastly, I think Serpentor, who has just been bested by the you know the new Snake Eyes clone, is uh, feels I guess panicked or enraged and finds that Dr. Mindbender's been working on something called a mutant virus bomb in his lab, which is also very convenient. And Pintor Khan, being an irrational dude, is just like, alright, well, let's just set it off. Boop. And that's basically the gist of it. Now, on the Joe side of things, they've been trying to infiltrate Cobra Island and, and learn information. And that's manifested itself in a couple ways. We've got a lot of Joes here, more than I'll be able to name off the off my cup of my head. I know Duke, Wild Bill, Clutch, Roadblock, Scarlet, uh, Dawn, Jinx, and many more. Uh, they, the whale is there on the ground, and the C-130 is in the air for report, but they took, they took damage to their engine. I can't remember how. And um, coming out of the casino, we also have uh, Lauren343, I think is her name, who is a former female Crimson Guard who is uh, changing sides because she's had many encounters with Throwdown specifically uh, that seems to make her question like where her allegiances lie and what she's doing. That's all we really know about her. We also have Wade Collins there, who is Sean Collins' father. Sean Collins is the character that we are now calling Throwdown, is most remembered as being the child that writes to Snake Eyes in issue 155, the final issue, and Snake Eyes writes back to tell him about the realities of war. He's there because he, because they had captured Sean previously, aka Throwdown, and he wants to come help. You know, he's chimed in with all the other guys that aren't like on the roster, but just do what they want. It's like Storm Shadow is like, I'm not actually a Joe, but somebody needs help, so I'm here. So those guys are all encountered, and also they brought they have Cobra Commander with them. Cobra Commander's trying to escape Serpentor's craziness. He, they get he gets picked up by Lauren, three four three, and Wade and some of the other Joes. So he's on the whale with them. They're all kind of meeting up collectively. I think that's actually pretty good. I, I gotta, for somebody that hasn't read the book in a year, yeah. Jaren, can you think of anything that I'm forgetting that is essential to what we're getting ready to read? It, is it essential to what we're getting ready to read? I don't know. I probably should have reread 300. <laughs> it's kind of our job to fill people in, but I actually feel like that's pretty solid. If I mess anything up, First of all, I'm sure the comments section won't hesitate to light me up, but I'll try to course correct <laughs> as we're reading it. But I, I feel pretty confident that that's a pretty good, a pretty good generalization of what happened. So, with that in mind, let's go back to page three, which literally picks up right in the middle of where we left off of page three on issue three hundred. The C-130 has taken damage to the engine. It is diving down directly towards the Cobra Casino. Duke and Wild Bill are in the pilot seat they've got their hands on the stick they're basically they're trying to pull up but the pressure's dropping the controls aren't responding in the back of the c-130 i can give you a more solid roster of who's here i see roadblock i see clutch i see my girl helix i see jinx i see scarlet uh you want to weigh in on this is that maybe lady j to the left of scarlet looks feminine but with green with a hat yeah yeah maybe. Person in the back. They've got two people in the back. I'm, they're, I'm not sure. One of them could be Molto, since I saw him on the cover. Muskrat? Could, could also... Muskrat? Good shout, Jaren. Plus one to Grumbledorf. 
that's, uh, that, that's your Harry Potter house, right? Grumble Joy? Sure, I don't know. That could definitely be muskrat. Good shout. His green is a little different, but I'm totally willing to believe that it could be a coloring issue. I mean, it could be, it could just be a green shirt, but I, muskrat totally makes sense. On the other side of the, in the corner, don't think I didn't see you. That's long range. The driver of the thunderclap, his helmet is unmistakable in anywhere, and I'm surprised to see him on here. I guess I forgot he was in this. Such a minor, you know, like he's that's a D-lister for sure. Plus there's a hammer, which is always cool. Yes, there is also a hammer, which is a wild choice. Larry doesn't deviate from the years too much. He does have favorites, regardless of what he says, and you see them a lot. So when he deviates, when he when he does stuff like this, I'm always like, either he was not clear on what they're using, or he saw a hammer. There's no way in my mind I'm believing that Larry's writing this going, this would be a good place for the 1994 Ecolab. But, like, I know he doesn't know the line that well. And that's I wouldn't expect him to. I'm not giving him a hard time. I'm just, I can handle, I've, all I do is read Larry Hama writing. I can analyze him a little bit. In Dr. Mindbender's lab inside the Cobra Casino, we have a timer on the mutant virus bomb, which has been activated. I'm going to assume that's three minutes and 20 seconds and not like three seconds and 20, whatever you call milliseconds. Um, <laughs> three hours and 20 all minutes. Right, we gotta, We're going to do it. <laughs> we got to get out of here, sloth viper. <laughs> so I'm assuming based on the amount of dialogue on these pages that we're looking at three minutes and 20 seconds Serpentor and Mindbender are talking Mindbender is basically being like hey you activated the countdown trigger on the mutant virus bomb this will turn everybody including us into cannibalistic monsters Serpentor Khan is not dissuaded by this at all I prefer this doom to capture and humiliation aren't you gratified to see your creation fulfill its intended purpose Dr. Mindbender great line of dialogue so we got basically we're watching a time down or we're watching a timer we're watching a oh my god we're watching a timer tick down as and all the various pieces that are in play at once are kind of show we're kind of seeing where they're at at the back door to Mindbender's lab we have the well which is equipped with uh scarlet uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say that's throwdown i don't know where new snake guys is Storm Shadow, Stalker. There's Wade with the bandages on. I see Shipwreck. I see Dawn using a gun, which is interesting. That's Lauren343 in the Crimson Guard outfit. And there's Cutter. Only guy I can't name is this dude beside Shipwreck. Um, just a little too vague for me. Yeah. Also, shout out to Polly, who's up there, and Cobra Commander, who I mentioned they, they took prisoner. Um, I guess that could be anybody. So, they're at the back door to Mindbender's lab. They don't know the bomb has been activated. They just saw snake, the new Snake Eyes. Oh, we'll have to think of a cool code name for him, like Clone Eyes. Or non, <laughs> not Fake Eyes. Um, as, soon as, as soon as Cutter blows down the blast doors with the Wells missile launcher, we will combat assault in Bounding Overwatch. Classic Larry Hama. Uh, military talk. The C-130 is coming down right over top of him, and Cutter takes note. Uh, we're down to the three-minute mark. Cutter clears out, fall back, and I'll get us all clear because they're afraid they're going to get hit as collateral damage. Duke in the plane makes note that the hydraulic pressure gauge has just ticked up a notch. And Wild Bill is making some observations about how the plane is going to respond to that. We have to wait until the pressure gets a few notches higher and time it precisely at the correct point of rotation. Duke, uh, <laughs> just like me, knows that Wild Bill is the man to make the play here. You're calling that shot. The well gets back into the water so they can kind of get out of the way of whatever the heck's happening overhead. And we're down to the two-minute mark. Serpentor Khan and Dr. Mambit are still talking about it. You have to look at this as the beginning of a new great adventure. Or the ending of a sad story. 
The guys on the whale don't understand why the Wild Bill isn't pulling up in the C-130. They don't understand specifically the damage the C-130 is taking and why that's making it so impossible. Uh, we do get a roll call, which is another classic Larry Hama bit where they let you know everybody that's in there. I could have actually probably used this at the start of the book. But now we can confirm that it's Duke, CoverGirl, Roadblock, Helix, Jinx, Molto, Clutch, and Muskrat. So not Lady J. That's supposed to be CoverGirl, even though she's wearing a hat. It's, that's an honest mistake. Good shout out, Muskrat. And it's Muskrat. Though. It is Muskrat. And I, I get a point, honestly, because <laughs> it was Molto. <laughs> uh, Stalker acknowledges that the plane is too low for, to bail out, so they're basically, they got to fix it or they're in big trouble. Uh, just a minute and a half left. Dr. Mindbender pleads, you might reconsider. We can still stop the countdown until the 10-second no return. Just relax. You can't run fast enough to escape the blast radius. As the bomb down, get, ticks down to the final 60 seconds before detonation, Wild Bill's shouting out to pull on the yoke with all you've got. They, uh, Scarlet gets on the radio and it lets them know that mutant virus bomb has been triggered. If you can make it to the water bug out now, just like everybody get clear because we don't know what's getting ready to happen, but the bomb is about to detonate. Wild Bill gives a good old fashioned yeehaw as they pull back on that yoke and just barely clear the top of the Cobra Casino. We also see at the bottom of that panel, great page, the whale is blasting out from away and getting ready to hit the water also. Every, I, you know, I know a lot about the whale. I'm pretty sure there's three, six, seven, nine, like, nine, there's like, okay, not Cutter. Not Cutter goes there. Everybody else is just sitting on the front of this thing, not holding <laughs> on to anything. This bad boy's barreling at top speed. Again, I know the whale. You can guys can fit inside the whale for sure. Like, you don't have to be doing this. Just seems a little, just seems a little unnecessarily risky. Cutter hits the throttle to the red line, tells him to hang on to something just like I just did. And they hit the water. Dr. Mindbender's caught trying to sneak out of the lab, but Serpentor grabs him by his little, like, uh, what do you call it? Your little overall suspenders. <laughs> and where do you think you're going? While Bill manages to level the plane out at Wavetop, and they're going to just kind of coast back in. They get the remaining engines on target, and it looks like they're going to be slow and steady. Cutter tells Laura to take Wade, who did get injured on the island. He got shot in the arm, I believe. Uh, tells her to take Cobra Commander below and to keep an eye on him. Which is weird because Laura is not a Joe. As a matter of fact, some of these guys only met her like five minutes ago in comic book time. But whatever. We it's very trust fitting, her. though. We, yeah, yeah. We trust her. Uh, as the whale's on water and the C-130's on boat, they're coming, or a C-130's above water, they're running foul of the Cobra cruise ship, which was headed for Baton Rouge. Revanch had evacuate all their modified bats onto the ship, so we got some heavily weaponized androids down there. These bats slash blackjack dealers detect the ship and use some of their fancy technology to shoot some wrist rockets out, a la Destro, except those are like stored inside their skin, like a Terminator. C-130 picks up the missile launch right away, and uh, Wild Bill's got it under control. Does some evasive maneuvers. It's you know it's ineffective with head-on shots at close range. No big deal. Wild Bill's a pro. He knows what he's doing. In the belly of the whale, Lauren, Wade, and Cobra Commander, a motley crew if ever I've seen one, have all assembled. I'm just now noticing how Cobra Commander's outfit has changed quite a bit into the reboot. Uh, special note of his helmet, which has been redesigned quite a bit and is pretty cool. Um, 
he's got his you know his cape and his tassels he's got like a cobra button but it doesn't look like the logo it's actually rounded and has like bars it's a very interesting design of the cobra logo like i think that looks cool maybe it doesn't fit yeah. on a cobra commander i can't see him it's like wearing a big uh, election button but it's an interesting <laughs> design nonetheless Cobra Commander questions why they're heading away from the island at full throttle. you got to remember he has no idea what's going on in there. He does not know that the bomb is getting ready to be activated. And he's not privy to inside and GHO chat, so he's literally the most clueless man in the book right now. Wade says, you don't deserve any answers, you two-bit grifter. And the Cobra Commander shoots back, ha, moral superiority from two, tra from two traitorous CGs, uh, which is short for Crimson Guard. They applaud Wild Bill for escaping the explosives and the uh, whatever you want to call the revenge bats uh, report in to Alpha 001 that they've intercepted televiper radio traffic that indicates an experimental biological weapon is about to detonate on Cobra Island. Alpha 001 is kind of like the main computer, like the lawnmower man of this whole organization. He calls the shots and makes all the plays, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Alpha 001, which is based in New Jersey, the only place where non-humans could live and be happy, says that we've confirmed that intel through other sources proceed to Baton Rouge and disembark. This new development can play into our hands from the future. So that's basically the extent of the, the revanche organization in this book, is that they're still in the mix somehow. Yippee! <laughs> Don't forget about us. Yeah. The C-130 <laughs> decides to circle around before they are going to coast into you know where they can get some repairs they want to make a visual check on the well and they shoot them down they say negative on that Serpentor Khan's about to set off a bioweapon and the whale's trying to get as far away as possible and so should you basically so with 40 seconds left on the timer man time moves weird in comic books uh, Cobra Commander does something very un unaccustomed for him he makes a move he strikes Laura Lauren 343 uh, like punches her, knocks her gun out of her hand. Wade comes to her relief and says, are you all right? And she says, I'm sorry, I forgot how fast he can be. This is weird to me because Cobra Commander is pretty well known as a coward across the board, at least to some degree. I've seen him do some pretty awesome stuff, but this is very out of character for him. He doesn't usually take advantage of, and if anything he would only use this moment to escape i understand that maybe this was something that had to happen before that i'm just very shocked to see cobra commander like take the charge like this and that doubles into what comes next as he gets laura's gun tells him that he's going to take the jet sled from the whale wade jumps forward to stop him and gets shot by cobra commander point blank cobra commander commandeers the jet sled takes bust a big Yui to go back to Cobra Island because again he does not know what's getting ready to happen there and with only 13 seconds left before detonation Laura confirms that Sean's dad is dead R.I.P. Wade the another long range recon patrol member gone he takes off on the jet sled they said we got to we'll, we'll be time to mourn him later right now I need your hand because we've got to manually crank the ramp back up so they don't take on too much water from where the jet sled came loose, which is a cool detail. Again, there's always something special about seeing the toy uh, actualized with from someone's imagination that is really thinking yeah. about, like, I would have never thought of that. I've played with the whale for 30 years, and I never thought, oh, it might take water <laughs> on when the jet sled comes on. And now I'll never forget it. I really like stuff like that, and I, I, 
I'm always appreciative of those details in the writing. Shipwreck and Cutter on top are talking about the lowered ramp cut their headway a little bit, so they've slowed down. As soon as the ramp is back in place, we go to red line. Wild Bill's doing some uh, maintenance work on the C-130. He's basically saying, hey, we're not really keeping a tready stead for where we need to go. And with only seconds left into the bomb net nates, we've got to lose some weight. Well, we'll get to that in a second because the mutant bomb detonates then and there. First of all, got to give props. Going, you know, we've had a year to think about what's getting ready to happen. And I wasn't 100% clear if this would actually follow through. Comic books are a promised land of things that should and might happen <laughs> and never do. And you learn to be suspect of any big event like this because it'll either get immediately undone, which is still on the table, or it'll be, it, they'll just pull that promise away from you. It'll look at the last, it's just like, or watching an 80s <laughs> Magnum PI 18. They'll be like, oh no, the bomb's only got one second. Boop, we're good. Don't worry about it. So I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased to see the carry through like this. Cobra Commander gets back and he just goes, nope, unmutant bomb. Yeah. <laughs> As Cobra Commander's heading back to Cobra Island, the bomb detonates. It has a glorious, uh, you know, green glow effect. He sees it and is like, well, whatever that is, it's not good, so I'm going to bust another Yui. Turns away and starts going in the opposite direction from it. On the well, as they have basically seemed to have escaped the radius of the blast, Don comments, that was like a silent nuke, but Tommy, a.k.a. Storm Shadow, knows that it's a bioweapon, and the fallout from that thing could be far worse, because we don't really know anything about it at all. The C-130 comments, that, you know, it said that's an unusual explosion that... Uh, on a diagram, it's more like an EMP, but everybody knows that this is just more evil machinations of Dr. Mindbender. So who knows what the effects are, what the long-term effects are, you know, who it could do anything. We see that Cobra Commander does in fact outrun the blast and is quote unquote home free. As the C-130 starts to dump all of their, the heaviest thing they've got, which is the vehicle. Sorry, Hammer, maybe we'll see you again no. in another... Maybe you'll be in G.I. Joe number 600. Yeah, it's <laughs> ironic that this hammer doesn't have an antenna on it because no hammers have antennas on them. They're all broken and missing. It's extremely rare. Um, the Wolverine also takes it, and there's the uh, there's the vamp. Into the drink. All the vehicles jettison. They turn the throttle up, and uh, they go down to cruising speed. Now they're good to go. They can make it all the way back to New Orleans airspace and get taken care of safely at the cobra casino which you have to remember is populated was populated by a hundred percent real people with gambling problems that's their only con is that they were just there to with the promise of making money there are obviously lots of cobra personnel caught up in this blast but the people we're seeing here now are just literally the people that were on the cobra on the basically the casino floor and they are messed up. They are their faces are mutating. They've got some Akira vibes going on. They, I mean, they look like zombies, even though the Z, the Z word has not been used to my knowledge. They, uh, they're messed up. From this rubble and wreckage, we see a hand come forward, and it's Doctor Mindbender and Serpentor, both also mutated but still clearly intact. What have you done to us? Mindbender says. I have this intense urge to rip living flesh off bone and devour it, but I am still me. I am not some mindless criminal monster. Now I'm Serpentor Khan Zom. <laughs> <There's, laughs> they both look messed up. Mindbender's got some, like, his 
back has got growth, some kind of growth growing on it. Serpentor's face is kind of like slimy, like sliding off. It's just a very wild development. The whale is arriving at the at the preordained base that they had decided to meet up at. The C-130 looks like it's been here for about an hour. Don't worry, Cutter. CoverGirl said they're going to wait for us. I'm pulling off to, up to the tail of the C-130 and lowering the forward ramp. Company formation on the flat apron as the guys from the C-130 and the whale meet up for the first time since I think the mission started, basically. They all uh, get in position and uh, salute as... Um, Wade's, you know, probably the four people most impacted by Wade Collins uh, carry him out on a makeshift stretcher. That's, of course, his Vietnam buddies from long, the Long Range Retrieve Front Control. That's Tommy, that's Snake Eyes, that's Stalker, and then, of course, his son, Sean. Very, you know, a striking panel. Um, before we move on to 302, I will say the death of a character is, <laughs> unfortunately, a great way to get people invested. So there's always a lot of fallout from it. But the death of Wade, which, first of all, I feel like is kind of telegraphed, I also think is kind of not weak storytelling, but it's not very impactful. I don't have a very I don't have a strong attachment to Wade, who's never been a Joe, uh, who has never had a strong link other than stories that specifically pertain to the LRRP in time in Vietnam. So his death doesn't really have an impact on me. And is partnered with the fact that Larry kind of has like a habit of specifically only killing off characters that he creates. Quinn, Dr. Venom, um, all those other guys that he's created. Wait, Quinn's in. dead? Yeah, sorry, Jaron. It's been a year. We haven't done a vintage comic in a while. Oh. Yes, there's a trend of people getting killed in the book that, that Larry created, at least within a, you know, a short time range. When when Larry, I guess, I think when Larry first found out he could kill somebody, that's when he was like, "All right, I'm going to kill 20 of these guys right now, people that I don't <laughs> want to mess with anymore." But nowadays, it's pretty rare to see an actual. I mean, a Joe almost never gets killed. It seems like, which I don't have an issue with. I'm not saying you have to kill somebody. I am saying if you're going to kill somebody, maybe not make it and what an e-lister like somebody that's never even been a Joe doesn't have a lot of emotional weight obviously is important to the characters but not specifically the readers i don't think at the very hey, wade end, collins we don't care about you <laughs> i don't want it to be like i don't it's, i don't have a wade collins figure this dude doesn't even have an outfit you know what I, mean? I mean i might you might as well be like here's a green shirt whose first name that you know died that's basically what it's looking at uh, at the end of the very at the very end of the book there's a very nice letter from larry thanking his fans for supporting him and uh just you know the surprise that he's still writing this book after all this time which i you know is a, was a surprise to me as well too i'm living for this is i'll i'll always cap off all of my complaints with i'll i'll take this any day I, i'll read this book until there is not a book to read after larry's letter we get a short little like roster basically that shows which has lady j on it by the way so i'm wondering why she's here if she's not in the book there that has to be a mistake um it's basically just like a who's who. If you haven't read the book, the guy in a while, who just died, you don't even get a get a recap <laughs> of him. Yeah, and also I love that the picture for the, Snake Eyes is here and Sean Collins is here, and they are. It's the exact same picture, but Sean Collins has got like a Rambo bandana on to tell them I didn't apart. Know. Yeah, like it's, it's just it's just a 
It's just a cut and paste and then drawn bandana. I'm sure we'll have I'm sure we'll have no problems in the future telling these two characters apart as long as one of them has Raphael's bandana on at all times. <laughs> it's really a bum deal for Sean because this snake guy's is back and is better than ever. And then this one's like, well, I kind of got stuck with the crap end of the deal. I won't even be able to use the. I'll have to be throwdown forever. They don't even they don't even put his code name here. They put his real name first. So <clears throat> anyway. So, if you don't know who these top four guys are, I don't even know how you found this book, because these are the the figureheads of the <laughs> series, essentially. Duke, Snake Eye, Scarlet, Stalker. Just a very quick blurb information of, about them. Lower panel is more important. you got Storm Shadow, who people might not know or remember is a good guy now, especially because he's wearing his old outfit, which I'm totally here for. I like the, the newer Storm Shadow, with the, like little gray patches that kind of signified his good guy arc. But I'm, I totally like the original Storm Shadow outfit. And minus the Cobra logo, it's very clean. Sean Collins is probably one of the characters that needs the most explanation. Because he didn't get publicized like Don did when that was happening. It's very confusing in almost every shot. I, there, dude, I, since this cover, the next cover got revealed, I, every single day since then, I've seen somebody go, why are there two snake eyes on this cover? And who's that guy in the thing? So I get it. I totally get it. Uh, Sean Collins, codenamed Throwdown, adopted son of Wade Collins, took on the Snake Eyes Man and left his death to full Cobra. Lady J, we've already talked about, isn't in this issue at all, unless you count my no prize where I tried to name her before. I don't know why she's on here. Why Why would you put Lady J on here, not Helix? A character that new fans would definitely not know who is. Or Bolto. Any, anyway, there's plenty of other characters that needed explanations. Cobra side of things. <laughs> or Muskrat. I mean, truly all lower tier than some of these guys. Uh, second page is the Cobra version of it and is very similar. Cobra Commander, Dr. Mindbender, Baroness, fine. You guys all know who that is. Serpentral Khan did need a blurb for explanation. If I had been making this book, I would have swapped out all of this, all of these guys that you knew and laid down the old, big, full-page file cards for Serpentor, Throwdown, Dawn, the characters that just people are not going to recognize bottom panel very similar there's destro zartan and zarana three people that aren't in this book at all but just in case you don't know who these just in case you don't know who these that one of the three figureheads of the cobra organization here we'll explain it for you and then again somebody that actually needs this alpha zero zero one a character that i still can't explain a guy that does a gi joe short for a living reads the book all his life like i'm never i could use the information on it quite frankly all right, so let's not waste any time and go into uh, Wednesday's issue, which is 302. The cover for 302 is another Kubert original. It basically captures the same moment that we just witnessed. Uh, the you know Wade's both four best known people in life are escorting them off on a stretcher, and the other Joes are saluting. Um, I did not track all the variants down for this um, because there are much there are many there are significantly less this time but i did pull some uh, together real quick that i could find one of them is this uh, pen and pencil or uh, inked cover basically by Kubert, which i'm a fan of books like this um then we have um this brad walker cover brad walker's been is doing these these like one in ten variants at least for the first string of books and well, i didn't uh, dwell on this too much because uh, when we were going through 301 but this dude is a great artist this is a great cover 
that snake has serpentor cover that he did rules and this rules also this guy could if this guy does interiors like this bring him on uh i mean i do think the guy that's doing the interiors right now rules but we're seeing some really really sharp covers right now and i'm here for that i do want this cover and it's a one in ten so it shouldn't be that hard to get i'd like to get all of these covers actually anytime they do these five covers they did a bunch of these at the end of idw's run where you get five covers and they make one big image i'm a big fan of those and then mike the other one i was able to find was the mike mayhew variant he did a you know he did a baroness on the last one he did a scarlet on this one these are kind of like in that uncanny valley like um they kind of look like a real, real, real person, but uh, also not exactly. Um, it makes me think <laughs> of, um, oh, what's the real famous comic book painter guy? Alex Ross. Or yeah. uh, um, the Hildebrands. It just has like a realistic painting quality to it. So five variants total, um, which is a little bit more in my comfort zone, even though I still... I'm kind of out on all of these. It's more realistic going forward that I could, I could pick up three total copies. That's not uncommon for me as long as I can find them easily. It's when you start having to buy them online and then you're paying for shipping that that stuff gets out of hand. All right, 302. Here we go. 302 opens up on Cobra Island and buddy, it ain't looking good. Sabentor <laughs> and Mindbender are uh, taking in kind of what has happened. The, everything is on fire. There's, like, turmoil. The casino is in ruin already. Like, things went south pretty quickly. We see some gigantic, creepy-looking mutant blob man with a cobra helmet in his hand, and he's striking out in the air. Look at them, Dr. Mindbender, the children of your mutant virus bomb. Once they were casino guests and cobra troopers, and now they're truly red of tooth and claw. Uh, they And they all look kind of like they're different in different stages of like decomposition. Some of them look straight up like a zombie. This guy looks like Clayface. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no real in between here. So I don't know. I guess they're all in different degrees of deterioration. So Petrocon goes into the masses and says, I have an announcement to make that I think you would benefit from hearing. Uh, the mutant cobras are like, Hey, you're not the boss of me. We're busy eating basically. Uh, so Khan. <laughs> Khan says, yes, we're transfigured. I love this televiper that's a mutant, but is also still doing his job. Still he, has, he has, like, the teeth. They look like the mutants from Resistance for the PlayStation 3. Real sharp, jagged yeah. mutant teeth. Uh, Mindbender's also got, like, a... a um, uh, what's that? Dumb. Like a Left 4 Dead looking... He's got, like, a real long mutant arm. Yeah, kind of yeah. like, kinda like uh, Akira vibes. Also, I'm just trying to think of. Um, really, Serpentorcon got the good end of the deal. I mean, he got a little bit of like face marks, but like, yeah. he still looks the same. He does look essentially the same. If anything, his cape is all shredded up, and it looks rad now. He's got a Mister Sinister vibe going on. Yeah, I love this actually. The Serpentorcon, I I am not afraid of the Cobra or the GI Joe book continuity going into left field. It's where we've got some of our best inspiration. As adults, yeah. we fight back against it because we don't want things to change from the way they were as a kid. But the reality is is that if Lurie wasn't constantly shifting things around as a kid, we wouldn't love the title like we do now. If something like the Fred Seven storyline happened, which is where a, a regular Crimson a regular Crimson Guard takes on Cobra Commander's role for like a year and a half, and nobody knows that it's him, 
we if that was happening now, we'd all be outraged about it. But the, it's like one of the best stories in the book, in my opinion. So I'm le- I'm totally leaning in. I'll actually want them to do be even more adventurous with these stories right now. So Pintor says, yes, we're transfigured and are now possessed of dark and disgusting cravings. But we are not mindless monsters. We retain our faculties and sense of self. We're twice as strong as we used to be and feel no pain. Although we now have insatiable appetites for forbidden meat. That's called Taco Bell, baby. We are also better (laughs) equipped to fulfill those needs. The mutants question him back. Why, you know, why would, why should I follow anybody? I'm a mutant. I can eat brains. I'm I'm doing good. Serpentor pulls out a gun and shoots that mutant in the head, which I guess is a, <laughs> is their, does confirm that it's their weak spot. Does that suffice as an answer? Again, really going to give Mooneyham a shout here. This art is very good. It is a completely different style of art and has been like digitally completed in a way to make it look different from basically every other G.I. Joe book that has run on the regular. And I have nothing against the old art team at all. In general, I'm very forgiving when it comes to art. I'm here for the story, quite frankly. Um, but stuff like this always catches my attention. I like it when they try something different. It was It's a revitalization phase. It's working out well. I, I mean, if I had to put too fine a point on it, uh, right now there's more money being thrown at this project than IDW probably ever did. And as a result, surprise, better quality comics that people are excited about. Who knew? Yeah, this, I love I, the way that uh, Serpentor's hood, how wide it is. I think it just makes a very ominous figure. And then having those two snakes that kind of stick up, I, it's just such a cool look. It 100% slaps. Look at his expression in his first panel. Look at his expression right beneath it where he's got that like grin. This dude is nailing facial work. Like I'm feeling yeah. that that like emoting. I, I love it. Yeah. The Serpentor Khan leaves the conversation with a lunch is served as the other mutants <laughs> jump on this now headless one. And rip them apart. There's something to be said for organization and a chain of command. If it is every hungry mutant for themselves, it is a zero-sum deathmatch melee with the sole victor starving. You can tell I'm getting into it now. I'm starting to deliver the real speech. I am offering... I'm going to go... I'm going to take it to 12. I am offering a way out of that dilemma. (laughs) One of the mutants says, I have a question. If you haven't noticed, we're stuck here on the island. There's no other source of human protein here other than ourselves. That's precisely why we're going to take over the entire Cobra operation and move to Springfield. If you're unfamiliar with Springfield, it is a, uh, well, you shouldn't be if you watch the show. Springfield has been around as long as issue number nine or ten when Scarlet and the other Joes are kidnapped and taken there. It's when they meet young Billy. Springfield has shifted a lot over the years because in uh, issue 50, there's a war on Springfield and the Cobra's forced to bail out because yeah, Joe finds where they are. Now, I'm actually a little unclear on what Springfield's role is currently. I know it's not the same Springfield. You know, the big joke all the way back from issue five has always been there are thousands of Springfields in the United States. It could be any of them. And I think that's supposed to carry on this tradition that they have set up a new Springfield and have been operating out of it for a while. The last thing I remember is they were working out of a Brocka Beach, which is another great Cobra, you know, kind of secret base with a code name. But anyway, if you're unfamiliar with all of that concept, Springfield is a city that looks normal, like Enterprise City from the cartoon if you've been watching recently, but is basically 100% Cobra through and through. All the employees of every store are Cobras, all the cops are Cobras, and the underground area of it is just like Mega Cobra HQ. So Serpentor is 
ready to take the mutants back home, basically. Which is going to be a real problem for everybody that's not a mutant. Okay, so give me that last line there with the and move to Springfield. I just want you to fill this smack in the face again. So just that is ahead. precisely why we are going to take over the entire Cobra operation and move to Springfield. And then boom, Arlington National Cemetery with graves yeah. of thousands of soldiers and heroes. That's right. Hey, just did that did that get bah! you excited? Just kidding. Funeral time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are in Arlington. We've got a long page spread where we see them bringing out the casket. We've got lots of people in military suits. You can even clearly see that's Gung Ho V2 in his dress blues. Right down to the little mustache and goatee. It's clearly recognizable as him. So again, a big shout out to the guy that's doing the art on this who's doing the heavy lifting. If you put me on, a, if I was a talented artist, man, do I ever wish I was. And you sat me down and said, Greg, I got good news for you. You're going to be the new regular artist on Power Rangers. But... You will need to be able to draw everything in the Power Rangers line to the detail or the fans will eat you alive. I would be like, I quit right now. There's no way I can do it. <laughs> so I don't know if this guy is a G.I. Joe fan. I have to assume there is a part of him that knows at least a little bit about it. Otherwise, this man is going above and beyond what is required. Did you, did you see his, he had a letter in the back of 301. I saw that he posterity. said that he was very young, I guess, when G.I. Joe was really yeah. hitting off. He so. said, I was never a fan of G.I. Joe. And he said, now wait, don't shoot me. <laughs> tremendous, tremendous props to somebody that can go into this yeah. fiction that we love deeply and deliver a product that we love deeply. Because if there's one thing G.I. Joe fans love, it's hating things all across the board. <laughs> I can I can name almost every Joe like this guy did his detail work. I can name almost every Joe here. There's Scarlet, there's Stalker. That Snake Eyes cleverly has his face. Gung Ho and his you know, that's uh I have to look at the like rankings on these last guys, but I can believe uh Cutter, Shipwreck, Duke. I mean without overthinking it. Um So here we see oh there's Roadblock. Okay. They're folding the flag, you know, traditional military procedures. I am to, we're to assume this is Sean here in the center with his, like, they have these plastic masks that look like their face so they don't have to, like, scare everybody with their scars. What a weird way to think, but I guess if he's wearing bandages all day, this would be his wife and uh, I'm guessing his, Sean's sister. Uh, they have My the, guess. yeah, they have the traditional, is it a 21 gun salute? Yeah, and they did 21 guns. I counted it because I was like, oh, man, did I get them? Nope. They Again, thought about it. Good they stuff. knew someone was going to count them. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I, I can without a doubt say that Larry wrote that down and was like, you better draw 21 of them because I have seen notes that are notorious for him being very detail-specific about what he wants the artist to draw. So I bet he was like, you better draw them all. The American flag is shown, presented, folded, and... Uh, Given, I guess this is thank you snake eyes I don't I'm guessing I don't know I guess he's just in charge of it thank you snake eyes yeah. you, may, you may rejoin the flag detail this is a big panel where you can also get a little you again are seeing just a tiny little sliver of snake eyes face it looks like is that scarring is it detail work you don't know there's too much shadows Hawk comes to talk to mrs. Collins and he shares his regrets. She thanks him. He puts a hand on Sean's shoulder. And we start to fade away, pulling further and further back. We, they, we, we pull out further and further from Arlington. 
and then we are refocusing back down on the Vietnam War Memorial. Uh, this statue specifically is named the Three Soldiers. It was sculpted by Frederick Hark and is located in the National Mall Memorial Parks. Uh, that was made in 2007. So again, we're showing mm -hmm. that we're kind of like at the Vietnam Memorial. Well, this is on point because Sean served in Vietnam. He was part of the Long Range Recon Patrol, et cetera, et cetera. As a matter of fact, one of the very first meetings they have with um, Wade, sorry, I said Sean earlier. I get those two made, those two intermixed. One of the first times we see Wade in the original Marvel comic is in the early 40s. They're visiting the Vietnam Memorial, and Wade approaches them as a Cobra agent. He's been turned into one of the Fred series Crimson Guards, and he attacks them. They reconcile, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be getting them mixed up very much longer. No, no, it'll be a lot easier to keep them sorted from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> at Spring, we're back at the, we're here at the Springfield Community Center, Spentorcon's soon-to-be target, and it would have just so happened that that's where Cobra Commander chose to fled after the bomb detonated. He's here, and he's assembled the people of Springfield to talk to. And so, under great duress, I was forced to flee Cobra Island just before Dr. Mindbender's mutant bomb detonated. That bomb instantly turned every living human on the island into relentless cannibalistic monsters. Any questions? <laughs> I can't. This is my favorite part this of the great, comic book this, I've read in a while. This, this is a great part. The <laughs> the people that he's discussed talking to in the community center are just like regular people. They're just not in their <laughs> outfits. They're the there are the they're just people that live in the Springfield community <laughs> as the posers. And naturally, these people have a lot of questions. Everybody on the island. My husband's a televiper. My brother. Is there no cure? What are you going to do? Uh, some specific people that might be of note is Dawn's parents are uh, asking, you know, if any news of our daughter, Dawn, because we don't, Dawn, they don't know that Dawn is a G.I. Joe agent. They don't know what happened to her at all, which is a real huge bummer when you think about <laughs> it. And Dawn, if you've forgotten the origin of Dawn, when Dawn was just, was uh, originally presented, she was just a kid that lived in the community uh, on Cobra Island. We don't know if her parents were good to her. Or she didn't even seem like she really disliked it that much, if I'm remembering correctly. But I definitely remember her playing soccer or something once, and it showed her, you know, we got some establishing stuff before she got zapped into a, another Snake Eyes that we need. Uh, some other people that are given kind of personal touches. My husband, Dave, Fred307, my father, Joseph Frey, which is a very specific name. That uh, So I don't know if any of these people are people that we are supposed to know that were on that island but they do not ring a bell to, to me if you know what any of these people are or how they connect to real people in the GHL comic book world I'd love to know but it could just be more detail in saying hey these people have loved ones that are definitely now mutants by the way that are coming here to eat us so they're putting the pressure on Cobra Commander who's already kind of got a bad look going for him Cobra Commander's helmet has changed uh, it does not look Again. like the, it does not look like the helmet that I yeah, that I was just commenting on. It looks more like his traditional look. is really uh, almost like caricatured. The helmet does not normally come down so low, and that little strip in the center where his or bombs are is usually very rectangular, very small. I don't know why Mooneyhan feels the need to sign all his big pictures, but uh, this, again, has his huge signature in the corner. I will answer all your questions in due time, but there are other more pressing matters at hand. It is more than certain that Serpentor's Con next course of action will be an invasion and takeover of Springfield. A gigantic what? From the crowd. <laughs> that guy's a preacher. What's he even doing there? 
Cobra Commander throws down. I'm calling. I'm recalling all Cobra units from all our outposts and secret bases. We're going to mobilize our forces like they've never been mobilized before. Here's another great look at the Aspid or whatever you want to call the non-actualized GI Joe helicopter that we all love and will never get. Uh, really, I really like the design of Haslab, baby. Let's do it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we see. We so they're pulling. They're bringing everybody back. Whatever Cobra's doing outside is a lot as important as defending Springfield right now. And so we see all of that. We're they're, they're arming it down to the gills. It looks like it's going to be a showdown in Springfield. We will fortify and entrench and make Serpentor Khan pay dearly for every inch. Of, I guess that's supposed to say of Springfield. You guys missed two words. Rough start canceling the subscription. Back in Revanche headquarters, Alpha 1001 is getting a report from the bats that were involved in the, the little cruise ship fight. They tell them that they Hey, escaped. real quick. Yeah. Real quick, I just, I feel, I'm proud of myself for remembering Arbco. It's on the yes. side of the bus. Yes, It makes me good. happy that that little detail is is on there. It's all those yep. little things that they care about that they, they put in here. It's pretty cool. I do love the good old Arbco. I also love it every time G.I. Joe sees it and they go, hmm, I wonder what that is. Like, they haven't, faced <laughs> it. They haven't seen that. They can't solve a five-letter combo. There's no correlation either. Like, every time we see Arbco, there's Joe's. Or there's Cobra. <laughs> There's definitely no correlation there. The Revanche Bats report that they saw the explosion of the mutant virus bomb. No operational bats left behind. Blah, 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 blah. Alpha 001 is like, hey, we've got a video feed from the hidden cams that the modified bats put in the casino. Alpha 001 looks like a big robot slug. He's real weird looking. He, so he's they've captured some video footage of the live feed of Serpentor Khan's riveting speech. And Alpha 001 says, oh, this is something we can exploit to the hilt. Yippee. In Utah, at the G.I. Joe base known as the Pit, underneath Camp Greer, we've got some, like, casual conversation. Um, Molto, oh, sorry, this is Mongoose, one of the other newer Joes. Mongoose is talking to Stalker, asking how how did Wade Collins rate an internment at Arlington along with the G.I. Joe Honor Guard? After all, he was a former Cobra Crimson Guard. Stalker explains that you know, it was a long time ago in a jungle halfway around the world. I was leading the LRRP team. And, you know, it's our usual boys. We got Wade is in the front, who's somebody with we obviously know very well by now. Snake has is behind him. Uh, Ramon is another member of the LRRP, one of the few guys that's in the team that doesn't get brought back up or re resurrected or whatever. Same thing with Dickie Saperstein. Uh, that's like that, like, fills out their overall ranks. And Tommy, of course, who's not seen here. They get into a fight, and a gunfight, and... Uh, Wade gets shot in the shoulder, and he goes down. They write him off as KIA, as KIA, but he survived and sat out the war in a POW camp. This is information we didn't know about Wade. We only really have picked – we get quite a few pieces of the, their time in Vietnam, but sometimes we see some new stuff. When Wade returned to the world, where he was considered dangerous and unemployable. This is very real stuff. I mean, soldiers that came back from Vietnam with PTSD, couldn't find jobs. You know, Vietnam was looked down on by the American public. It was a very complicated time. And so it actually makes a lot of sense that somebody that felt alienated by their own country would uh, be enticed by the welcoming arms of Cobra. He became Fred, the Crimson Guardman. But he was still our brother when he confronted me and Snake Eyes at the wall in D.C. That's what I was referencing earlier in the early 40s. When he, has a, he gets into it with him. So we brought him home. Hawk pulled strings, set him up, set, and set him and his adopted family up with new identities. And then one day, son, his son Sean wrote a letter to Snake Eyes. Again, this is referencing 155. 
And it all came full circle. Back in the command center, dig, I like the way they've got this command center set up. That's the biggest TV. I would put that in my... <laughs> I, would make, I would live in that TV. They've got like a circle, like a monitoring center, where they can all, all kind of sit around in a circle and work. I like that a lot. I've assembled satellite imagery of Springfield along with some random CCTV footage hacked from their surveillance systems. That looks like full-scale mobilization mainframe. They're calling in all their outposts as well, Roadblock. You got anything on Cobra Island? Not directly, but I hacked Revanche and found this. So, <laughs> Revanche hacked the Televiper. They got the footage. And then the Joes <laughs> hook, uh, hacked the most advanced cybernetic robots you've ever seen. Also have a back door that they could exploit so they could watch the footage. At this point, it might as well be on the public broadcasting system. <laughs> so they also found the footage. So now they also know what's going on. They know they're going to Springfield. They know that Cobra is pulling troops out to reinforce, and they also have the advantage of knowing that the revanche Blue Cyborg Ninjas are also privy to that knowledge. Roblox says we should just sit back and watch them decimate each other. To which Don, to which Duke replies, "Don't let Dawn hear you say that." Because obviously her parents are there. Which does also imply that Dawn does care for her parents. And actually now that I'm thinking about advanced solicitations for this book. Pretty much nails out what's going on. Uh, we'll get into that at the very end. Speaking of the very end. In the in the Sierras. a This is a classic setting for Snake Eyes Getaway. He has always owned a cabin of some sort here. And that looks like that's where him and Scarlet have retreated to at this time. That rabbit stew smells delicious, Snake Eyes. I just wish I hadn't watched you sneak up behind them and break their necks. I don't really think that would bother Scarlet that much, <laughs> but okay. Snake Eyes is cooking something over a, a campfire. We have a visitor. It's Timber. Timber walks in the door and he has a small pup in his mouth. It's one of Timber's progeny, bearing a gift. He leaves the baby pup at Snake Eyes' feet and runs off. Or, or maintaining a pact created years ago. Take him, Snake Eyes. And so Snake Eyes once again has a new timber to call his own, even though this is a very small little pup. I'm assuming it will grow quite rapidly. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm get This is a good endorsement that, hey, look, he's uh, he's Snake Eyes. So suck yeah, that buttercup. Again, he's another, got a timber. This is a great, another great pan, large panel where Scarlet looking on and the... Uh, the new pup is sniffing the snake eyes. Mm -hmm. You can even see he's drawn like little stubble, just like tiny little bits of hair. Great, great artwork. Yeah. The pup sniffs him and I guess accepts him, and so we have a new timber. Not the first time we've seen the you know the lifespan of a dog is or a wolf is not going to last as long as these these miraculous seventy year old soldiers that have been doing it since <laughs> the Vietnam era. One final page, we see the Sierra cabin from far away. It's a full moon. The two of them are laying in bed together, and suddenly Snake Eyes speaks. He says, Scarlet, I want to tell you. But Scarlet stops him. She's with her, she puts her finger up and says, not now. Final panel as they embrace the end. So this is a big deal, right? We've been thinking. The thinking, heck is that? We've been thinking and thinking and thinking. What would be the ramifications of a Snake Eyes clone? And here are the first two ramifications that we know. Number one. His vocal cords are not damaged. He can speak. Number two, Scarlet has no problem speed replacing her dead lover with someone that looks just like him. How many times can I go into this? A clone is not the same as the real person. You don't have the same je ne sais quoi that makes you who you are. 
But I guess that doesn't bother Scarlet. Any, I mean, that's fine. That's you know, why she's telling him not to talk. She's like, no, a, no, 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 no. There was a real weird window where people thought she was being, a, she was attracted to Throwdown, and that everybody was like, "This is like suspiciously awkward on all, all levels." And I don't feel any <laughs> differently about this. I still think this is very weird. But it's safe to make it. It's also, if I have not said a word in fifty plus years and I start talking, guess what? Don't interrupt me. I've been saving this for a long time. <laughs> pretty, pretty rude, Scarlet. Um, so yeah, it's safe to draw the conclusion that if he can speak, his face is also healed. I'm very interested in how that's going to unpack itself over the next several issues. As we wrap up, because I know we're running long, I want to look real quick at the solicitations for 303 and 304. The solicitation for 303 is very brief. It says, The Joes send a covert team to learn the truth about Springfield, but Serpentor Khan is a deadly surprise in store for them. So that suggests that either everybody's already going to be at Springfield in the next episode or in the next issue, or Serpentor is going to interrupt them on the way there. And you We're can also finally get to see Joe and Cobra work together. The this cover is very interesting because the cover to three oh three has got Serpentor Khan on it, and his face is actually taking on a reptile esque quality. He's like he's like growing got scales and stuff showing, which either is a miscommunication on the cover artist's part or is telegraphing that this mutation is not done yet. Uh, well, the third mm. option is that the interior artist didn't get it right and it should have been flipped around. But I'm interested to see if this is actually how things are going to shake down. The solicitation for 304, which does Dawn on the cover, says, The former Snake Eyes is on a recon mission in Springfield when she's confronted by Cobra's deadliest weapons yet. The name of this cup book is Dawn Marino versus the Blue Ninjas, which does absolutely make me throw up in my mouth. Um... <laughs> What's there with the a, hatred of the blue ninjas? This I just think they suck. They're not. It's not a good plot device. They're not an interest. <laughs> I do love a chaotic fourth element. That's like October Guard's a perfect example. We're here to stop Cobra. Just kidding. We sat. We double crossed you at the last minute. I I could take that all day every day. But these these guys just don't appeal to me. I don't know. They're too too much. There's too ambiguous. And also mm. their power levels are off the charts. Their power levels are literally like it's like Superman problematic. When we first saw them, they were almost indestructible. One single robot would take the whole team to come up against them and fight, and that's like Superman in like the, when he's fighting Doomsday. It was like there's nothing that can stop him except for these very minuscule thing, you know, weaknesses that we don't have on hand. Then you go and watch like Superman in the Justice League cartoon, and it's like they they're like we have to lower his power levels because. Why would the Justice League even exist? Otherwise, he can take care of it all single-handedly. <laughs> or they'd be like, oh, we're going to go fight. We're all going to fight the Riddler. And it'd be like, okay, well, maybe Superman could just hang back and you guys can handle this one. Because he could launch him. He could knock him out from orbit. <laughs> so they made him real weak for the Justice League cartoon. He gets hit. He takes damage. It's the same gist here. By the end of the IDW run, the revanche robots could be taken down much, much easier. Their power, le their power levels were just not balanced right at all. So, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, just, I don't know. I just don't enjoy them as a faction. If you like them, that's totally cool. I could do without them. I was actually hoping they would get dropped for this 
and we would not see them. But that's obviously not the case. As a matter of fact, an earlier blurb for 303 and 304 said that Serpentor was going to find a mysterious new ally. And my initial thought was, oh, it would be somebody cool like Cesspool, who has first-hand knowledge dealing with mutations and stuff like this, could have been directly involved in the mutant virus bomb. But now it's clearly telegraphed that Serpentor is going to team up with Alpha-001 and the Blue Ninjas. Dawn is going to be part of an infiltration team that goes into Springfield, at the very least to gather intel, but probably to save her parents. And at some point in that confrontation, she's going to have to team up, or they're going to have to fight the Blue Ninjas on behalf of Serpentor, maybe as a first offense, you know, or first barrier. Or maybe they're both going into cover, and they discover one another before Cobra knows either one of them is there. But I feel like that's a pretty telegraphed route to where the book is going in the next two issues. Okay, so that's a lot to take in. Um, Jaren, I'd like, <laughs> I'd love to hear your just brief summary on what you think about the vision of the book right now, what you hope for going forward, what you hope they get rid of. So, yeah, so going back to 300, you know, and we had all that time to kind of speculate and think about where they were going. I didn't think we were going to go full on, like, zombie mode. Uh, so this is a little bit unexpected, but it's honestly, it's intriguing. I mean, it's it's something that for the limited amount I had read, you know, I started reading around, like, 280, I think, uh, and then reading up to 300, and then going back to when we were in the original Marvel issues, like... Th- that's all the like exposure I've had to the comic series, so mm-hmm. this is drastically different than anything. Yeah. Um, but it's cool because it is something new, and it's a new jumping on point. Like you didn't need to jump on. I mean, you kind of it would have helped if you had been reading a little bit more, so that you knew some of these characters. Um, but that's what I have you for. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really excited. I I think I hope that we get some more variation amongst new snake eyes that's not snake eyes that is snake eyes and and sean um you know just because it's it's gonna be hard to have a story where two of your main characters are the same (laughs) you know so um it'll be cool to see where they go um i can't wait to see the art i the thing that I always hate with comic series is when they start bringing in other artists and then they start switching and like my mind has a hard time with that um, with, with with every comic series. I mean, they do it in everywhere. Um, so hopefully they let this guy kind of really get into the groove before they start switching anything up. Of course, Larry's not going anywhere. Um, as long as he's healthy, thankfully, um, staying up and being able to do all that stuff, which is hopefully he has a lot of stories left to tell. So I'll be ready to read them. Yeah, I would say on my wish list is, I think I've been pretty clear that I want the Blue Ninjas to go away forever. I, I mean, not, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be fair. I'm a very forgiving reader of the book, and I have been for a long time. People give me crap about it. But this is really my one sticking point. They are so overused. They're in everything, and I just don't feel like they need to be in everything. If they showed up as infrequently as the October Guard did, I wouldn't be having this conversation. But the people, the same, it's the same people that are like, I'm tired of seeing the brainwave scanner because it's used all the time to fix every little plot hole. And that doesn't bother me because I love the brainwave scanner, but I understand the complaint. And it's kind of how I feel about the Blue Ninjas. They don't really serve a purpose. They're not a great, uh, you know, other enemy. I just, I could do without. The other thing is something that you touched on that I couldn't agree with more. It's something I talk about just about all the time. It's that the, all these snake eyes 
need to, we need to get on we need to get together. I'm okay with Don because Don has a pretty different outfit. is very easy to recognize. Can just at this point just call her Don. Just that's her code name. I yeah. th- we might be too far gone at this point to back it up, but Throwdown is definitely our missing our our like wild card. If he needs to, they need to go back to throwing it, calling him Throwdown. But don't call him Snake Eyes anymore. This story arc is done. Stop calling him by his real name because that seems like a real bad <laughs> thing to do in the in the heat of battle. And <laughs> he, he's got to get a new outfit altogether. And there's two solutions. One, give him a brand new, completely different outfit, which is basically what happened with Don. Two, give him a substantially different Snake Eyes outfit. Put him in Snake Eyes V4. Put him in Snake Eyes V5. Put him in something Put him that, in that red Devil's Devil's Do, and that what they did. I mean, called? yeah, or that. I mean that the V4, which is the blue and the red goggles, doesn't get a lot. Oh of, yeah, doesn't get a lot of use anymore. It was be easily recognizable from the all black Snake Eyes outfit. Whatever, whatever yeah. clone Snake Eyes outfit is going to wear, I don't care. You can wear any of the various Snake Eyes outfits that have gone uh, un- unlimited revisions. Throwdown needs some work. We've got to get him on track because it doesn't make sense. It's either that or the or the other obvious option, kill him. <laughs> because that is something that seems to happen we don't know what else to do with him. Uh, Not, think- Mrs. Collins can't handle that. She's already lost Wade or Sean, whichever. Well, she then- can't handle losing Sean or Wade, whichever other one. And then hit the road, sister. You're going to go too. It's going to be a bomb <laughs> in the house or something. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Speaking of which, they did throw a hammer out of a C-130 and a vamp. They need more transport. Bring in the Badger. Please, Larry. I know you listen to us, obviously. Sure you get does. Our, our feedback. The Badger's needed. You, right can, into, you can make it more dull green if you want to, but the Badger, is it needs to be there. Right into the Skybound letters column, which doesn't even have a name I, yet. It would just be like... I'll do it 100%. Give me that Badger. I'm going to do it tonight. <laughs> All right. I mean, there's uh, usually it was there was a window where you could write. I felt like you could write into the book, and they would if you wrote in, you would guarantee to get punished. Pu- not punished. <laughs> you would guarantee to get published. Uh, How dare they, you write they in? Were, they were getting so few letters. I got a letter in that way. Maybe two at some point. I got a letter uh, right before, right when Don was getting introduced. Um. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us on social media, I would love to hear thoughts on 301, 302, where you think the reboot's going, how you think it's going so far, what's your do's and don'ts, what you want, what you don't want. Uh, hit us up, share your opinion. You got anything Joe's Pod, uh, anything Joe's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you'll be talking to Jaron on the Instagram. You'll be talking to me on the Twitter. You can email us directly at anything Joe's Podcast at gmail.com or anything Joe's Pod at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, we'll be back in two short weeks. We're going to do the best of the year. It's going to be the first episode of the new year, and we've got a laundry list of things from 2023 to reflect on. The, the highs, the lows, everything in between. And I'm looking forward to talking to it. I know Jaron has been working on his list, and I am a little behind, but I'm starting to spitball some ideas for mine. Uh, we'll just have to see where it goes. We look forward to talking to you then in just two short weeks. For anything available for discussion here on Anything Shows.